from Maple Valley to Snoqualmie Pass and everywhere in between, this is Taking the Fifth, the podcast of Washington State's 5th District Democrats. Today, we're talking via Skype with Justice Charlie Wiggins of the Washington State Supreme Court. Good afternoon, Justice Wiggins. Good afternoon, and thank you for um, hearing from me. Absolutely. So what exactly does the State Supreme Court do and decide on? The mission of the Supreme Court is to interpret our laws and to apply those interpretations to the facts of a case before it and to protect our constitutional rights and um, follow the Constitution itself. And we do that in the context of selected cases. We, we are asked to take about 1,000 to 1,100 cases each year, and we take about 10% of that number. We look for the hardest uh, cases, the cases where other judges are divided so that we can resolve any conflicts in the law. So um, tell our listeners a bit about your background and why you decided to become a judge. I was admitted to practice law 40 years ago, and um, over the years, I have done a great deal of appeals, uh, many, many appeals in the hundreds, and that is primarily what we work on in the Supreme Court. I've also done trial work, um, but really the appellate work is the main thing we work on. I've been a um, pro tem judge, that's a substitute judge basically, in the Superior Court for Jefferson County and in the Superior Court for King County, and I've been a judge on the Court of Appeals. So my experience seemed to me to fit the job the best and equip me extremely well for this. And I decided I wanted to become a judge because I want to be able to administer justice and leave to my children a more um, just and fair society and do my the best I can in, in bringing that about. I realized when I got on the court that, of course, it's not just my children. It's the 1.2 million school children throughout the state that are of, of great concern, and that's why I'm proud to have been part of the McClary school funding case. Well, what, what, um, what's your philosophy in general as a Supreme Court justice when a case comes up, and what are the, some of the things that you've done in your time on the bench? I guess that... The uh, philosophy in terms of looking at cases is, first of all, if the case involves the interpretation of a statute, a law adopted by the legislature, and most of our cases do do involve statutory interpretation, then the goal of the court is to follow the to discern what the statute means from the language of the statute and to look at what the legislature intended and try to interpret the statute consistent with the legislature's intent. When it comes to the Constitution, our role is to uh, observe the, the meaning of the Constitution, interpret the meaning of the Constitution, and to apply it in all cases involving the parties before us or um, to really observe the constitutional restrictions ourselves that uh, w- to, to which we're subject and make sure that we are following the Constitution and enforcing the Constitution appropriately. 
Um, some of the things that I've done while on the court is I've been, uh, I was a member of the majority on the McClary case, as I said. I've been part of the majority as we have tried to enforce the McClary decision over the past four years, and I'll continue to work on that. I've written cases uh, calling for more uh, more careful tests of the way we treat race within our criminal justice system because uh, it turns out that um, some minorities, particularly African Americans, are disproportionately affected by our uh, criminal justice system, and we try to address those inequities on a case-by-case basis, and I'm very conscious and aware of those. Right. So, um, what do you see as the biggest obstacles to justice in Washington State, if you see any? I think probably the most important uh, thing in terms of um, the access to um, justice or, or potential issues for access to justice is the continued confidence of the public in the nature of the court and in the role of the court. And I think it's very important that we live up to that uh, reputation and that we uh, follow the law so that uh, we will enjoy the uh, respect of the members of the public because we have no other means of enforcing our decisions other than the respect of the public. That's why I've been a little disconcerted by um, advertising that has uh, been paid for and and publicized on television against me in this campaign, uh, which really portrays me as um, not being fair in criminal cases and uh, really um, being overly um, uh, lenient in criminal cases. And, and I think they're false and misleading, but more to the point, the advertisements like that tend to um, reduce the confidence of the public and the court by suggesting that members of the court uh, really aren't following the law, and I think that's very destructive of, uh, our, of our court and of the processes of justice. Right, and, and as you mentioned, there's been a lot of money showing up in this campaign. Uh, we just found out over a million dollars is being spent on it by a group of billionaires to defeat you. Uh, what do you think that their beef is with you? Well, I think that um, if you kind of look behind the ads, I, I don't think that they are really that concerned about criminal law. But but when you want to attack a judge, it's easiest to find a criminal decision you disagree with and try to um, paint that judge as being soft on crime, and that's exactly what's happening here. But I don't think that's the real motivator. Um, the, there are some decisions we've rendered that they're not too happy with, um, and uh, one of the one of the promoters of this effort um, said that uh, pointed to a, a kind of a report card done on the court by the Association of Washington Business and criticized me for not uh, voting in favor of business often enough, and I think the explanation of that is pretty simple. I tend to be careful to give equal credence and equal treatment to the ordinary citizen when they come into court, even if they're up against powerful interests and powerful moneyed interests, whether they be corporations, banks, the government, 
um, insurance companies, any any group like that, any any large entrenched interest. And I think that they are unhappy with me for that for those decisions. And, and to be perfectly candid, um, they they seem to be upset about the uh, charter schools decision in which the court declared that the charter schools initiative as passed by the people was unconstitutional because it did not, uh, the, the, the charter schools lacked a fundamental protection in our constitution, which is a locally elected school board. And so um, they, they seem to be upset about that as well. Right. Uh, but the nature of serving on the bench, especially at the Supreme Court level, does involve some controversial decisions. Uh, so is there any good way to handle opposition like that or explain it outside elections every six years? Well, even outside of elections, we try to go out into the community and um, publicize what we do and educate the public on what we do. For example, um, three times a year, we we hold arguments outside of the Temple of Justice, almost always at a college or university around the state or perhaps at, at one of the law schools so that uh, ordinary citizens and, and particularly students have an opportunity to come and observe us at work and see the way we actually hear arguments and, and, and we go into classes and speak to them. Um, this month, next month, I guess it will be November, we'll be going to Bellevue College to do this. And, and we, we go to colleges around the state. That's one of our outreaches. Um, but in terms of directly responding to advertisements like this or big money like this, it's a, it's a big problem. You know, I, I have spent about eight months trying to raise money for this campaign, and I've raised about $200,000. And yet, last week, with a stroke of a pen, several billionaires wrote checks for at least that much money. And it uh, it's, it's hard to... Um, to equalize that or to level the playing field. So uh, I just wanted to look at the other end of the system uh, for a minute. Um, a lot of people, and this has been an issue in King County, uh, a lot of people with limited financial resources can get stuck in a cycle of trying to pay off legal financial obligations. Uh, are there things we can do to help improve that situation in the state? Absolutely. We have um, we issued a, a, a decision not long ago. I think it was last year. The Blazina case, B-L-A-Z-I-N-A, and in that case, we said before a judge um, makes a or imposes legal financial obligations on a defendant who is being as part of a sentence, the judge must determine whether that person is going to have any realistic expectation or a prospect of paying off that fine. At some point in the future, and so we've tried, we've um, we've worked through that, and we've been um, working through the ramifications of that um, as we've as we've we've had various um, various aspects of that has have come up to us in cases. So that's one one way to deal with it. I think we need to be very conscious of that and very cognizant of that, to be honest with you, uh, because it's a problem in the, in the criminal system. It's a problem in the civil system as well, the, um, trying to ensure or assist people in having uh, fair access to the courts. 
Well, what's your vision for the future of our judicial system here in Washington? Uh, what changes would you advocate for procedures and efficiency, and why would you uh, want those? Well, we're always looking at um, at issues that arise. I, I spoke earlier of disproportionate uh, treatment of African Americans within the judicial system, and I'll give you an example of how that how that could play out. Um, in an opinion I wrote uh, called the State versus Saint Call S A I N T C A L L E, in the Saint Call case, I I discussed the problem of removal by lawyers of jurors of color in criminal cases in which the defendant is a person of color. And sometimes lawyers will try to remove jurors of color from the jury panel so that they don't sit on the final case. And that's a problem. And I, I pointed out that the test we use, which was developed by the U.S. Supreme Court, is not very effective, and we need a new test to deal with that. And um, in fact, just last week, our our court rules committee, I sit on the court rules committee, um, as chaired by Justice Johnson, was presented with just such a, a proposal and that had been hammered out by a group of uh, prosecutors, defense lawyers, and others who were trying to um, develop a, a rule that would deal with that problem. So that's, a, that's one example of the type of change. I, I, I think within the court system, we need to look for incremental change and look for we don't change doesn't occur at a very rapid pace within the court system and there's a reason for that we need stability in the law one other aspect of of this that um uh we have worked on and we continue to work on is this i mentioned uh, access to justice for the poor we uh, the court a few years ago um, adopted a rule creating a new form of practicing law and it's a um, what we call a limited license legal technician. This is a person who can practice in a very narrow area of the law, subject to strict requirements, but without being supervised by a lawyer. And uh, that is intended to allow people to access a lawyer uh, on a more economical basis and access uh, a lawyer by people who really aren't being represented now because they can't afford a, a lawyer. So those are a couple of examples of the things that uh, I think are important, and uh, I, would, I want to be on hand for one more term to continue to uh, work in those areas and continue to um, push ahead on those areas and on education as well. And you've pushed to... I get more information about our state justices online as well, haven't you? Yes, that's that's true. Um, and I, one thing that I did um, back uh, 10 years ago is to help establish a website called votingforjudges.org. That's votingforjudges.org. Uh, a website that is objective and doesn't really make a recommendation on voting for judges, but gathers information in one place and is kind of a one-stop shopping for information about judicial races. And that's a wonderful website. Any of your uh, listeners who are puzzled about a judicial race should go to that, at least uh, for Court of Appeals and Supreme Court. And uh, and consult that, and, I, and also for superior court races. So the, that's a, that's a good resource that um, I don't I'm not associated with it any longer, but I did help get it started. Well, how can listeners find out more about you and your uh, candidacy? 
that's a question I love to hear. Um, our website is uh, justicecharliewiggins.com, all one word, justicecharliewiggins.com. Uh, it includes all kinds of information about me. It includes links to uh, forums and speeches, and it includes uh, in the many endorsements that uh, I've, I've been honored to receive. So that's probably, and it, it also includes uh, a description of all the cases I wrote in the first five years I've been on the court with links to the actual case. So anyone who wants to know what I've done can go there and, and read through um, well over 100 cases and um, look at those and, and then link to the case and see exactly what I said. And remember, your ballots must be postmarked or dropped off by November 8th and you should fill out every race. No matter how much money people have put into an election, they still only have one vote. If you get a friend to return their ballot as well, you have already outvoted a billionaire. So thank you again for spending time with us today, Justice Wiggins. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This has been Taking the Fifth, the podcast of Washington's Fifth District Democrats. For more information on us, visit 5thDistrictDems.com, starting with the number 5. Copyright 2016, 5th District Democrats.